Alright, if you could take your Bibles or it's printed in your bulletin, and we're going to turn to Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, and I'll start at verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourself know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So uh, I am cheating again. Uh, going to Uganda, they asked me to do a number of seminars, and one of those is on, is on work. So you're getting a theology of work so that I don't have to do uh, more work I can practice on you and uh, double up, uh, use this more than once. Anyways, the theology of work. If you go to the next slide. Number one, work is God's design for you. He made humanity to work. And you see it in Genesis chapter 1. After he made them, God blessed them and said to them, Genesis 1.28, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Man has a job to do. And our job is to bend the world to one task to glorify God. And so we are to manage the world so that it operates well. That was our intended job. And in order to do that, He made us in His image. And He made us in His image with the capacity to rule over things and to make sure the world runs well. That's kind of uh, how we're made in His image. We have the ability to speak and to think and to reason and to wonder why. So, for instance, uh, out in the African plain, a lion comes across a bush. The lion sees the bush, and he doesn't think to himself, I wonder if there's any more of these bushes in the world that are like this. He doesn't care. And he doesn't care if that's the only bush like that in the world, and that if it dies that plant dies off. But a human being comes and sees the bush and gives it a name and classifies it and relates it to something else 
and then wonders why it's there and how it's growing and where else it might grow in the world. We're supposed to do that. And we're supposed to make sure that the bush thrives and that there are more of them in the world. That's our job, our task. And so God's original design for humanity was that we work and that we work and manage the world. Genesis chapter 2, he then puts them in the Garden of Eden. And he says, I give you every tree for food and every, uh, every plant for food. And notice what it says. Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We were designed to work, and that was his intent. Even though he put us in a beautiful garden, we still had to work the garden, take care of it. Uh, but as you read the Bible story, part of the big picture is that we fall into sin. And part of the curse of sin is that work becomes difficult and onerous. Genesis chapter 3. Here's what God says. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And work becomes difficult and becomes painful and it becomes hard. Now, I, I've talked to you about our tomato plants before. Uh, we built a little garden, and we put, the, put soil in it. We mixed manure in it. And I think we spent over $100 on the garden. We then bought some tomato plants, uh, $20 worth of tomato plants, and now we're $120. And last year, we had one tomato as a $120 tomato. And this year, we had three or four nice big tomatoes that tasted sour. And we had about 70 cherry tomatoes that were very good. 70 cherry tomatoes. Uh, so they're, maybe those cherry tomatoes were, they cost us maybe a dollar each. And I've talked to other you. I've talked to other other of you in here. What am I doing wrong with the, my tomatoes? And I talked to DeGroots about what I'm doing wrong with my tomatoes. Arlene Tomlinson told me that she does a soil test on her 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 soil before she grows. And I go soil test. I got to test the soil. And uh, somebody else said, well, you have to put fertilizer on it. And I said, fertilizer? You got to fertilize these things. Um, it takes work uh, to produce food. And uh, that's God's original design for you. And now with the fall, it is part of the onerousness of life. And it's toilsome and work is difficult. I, I, tell, I tell people all the time, I said, do you know why they pay you to work? Because no one would do it for free. So they have to pay you. That's part of the toilsome part of work. We have to remunerate you. Because it is, it's difficult and it's hard, but that's now part of life. You have to do this because uh, we've been cursed, and uh, now we have to overcome the curse by simple hard work. 
uh, we used to have someone who came to the church, and they'd always say to me, Pastor, there's no free lunch. And I would say, well, we're doing something for free. And he says, well, actually, there's no, there's no free lunch. Somebody has to pay for it. Somebody has to pay for it. And even money that you might get from the government, somebody has to pay for that money. And the way we pay for it is by work. And so today, minimum wage is fourteen fifty. Is that right? Fourteen. Boy, how how out of touch am I? Fourteen dollars. So if the government sends you fourteen dollars, somewhere somebody has worked an hour for you to get fourteen dollars, right? Because nothing nothing comes for free. So someone is putting work in to produce so that we can have things. And work is God's design for humanity, so that's point number one. Get used to it. It's what makes the world go round. It has to happen. Otherwise, the weeds take over. Takes us to point number two. Next slide. We have to work to take care of our own needs or work to take care of yourself. And uh, the passage in your bulletin is from 2 Thessalonians. And 1 Thessalonians says this. Let me find it. All the T's are together in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody so this is a command work with your own hands purpose so that you can win respect from people outside the church when they see how hard you work and secondly so that you won't be dependent on anyone so work to take care of your own needs now, I think what happened in Thessal Thessalonica was this. Paul came through there, told them about the Lord, told them the Lord was going to return. And so a lot of them thought, I'm going to stop working. Right? If the Lord's returning in a year, i got enough money to make it for a year. I'm going to stop working. And what's even better, you're part of a church that helps people out. And so people were not working at all, and they were just going from house to house for meals and staying with people, right? It would be like if I said, you know something, I'm tired of paying bills. I'm going to go live with Stephen. <laughs> Stephen said no. So that, that's what has happened in Thessalonica. They go, listen, the church has got to take care of me. People have to be kind and they have to be generous. I'm just going to stop working. They will feed me and they will house me. And so Paul writes to say, listen, no, you've got to work with your own hands and provide for your own needs and take care of yourself. You don't just sit around doing nothing. And of course he said, well, when you sit around doing nothing, you just become busybodies. Right now you're just busy in everybody else's business. 
takes us to the passage in your bulletin, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Notice how strongly he words it. So they didn't catch on from after he wrote 1 Thessalonians. They're still not working. So he writes 2 Thessalonians, and here's what he says. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. Strong. It's as strong as he can say it. Brothers and sisters, keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Some Christians you've got to get away from. Have you heard that in church before? <laughs> True, right? Listen, if you're not going to work and you're just going to do nothing and mooch off of others, that's not right. Paul says you've got to make you've got to earn your own way. Verse 7. You yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. And as Paul went through, they did not give him anything. And he took money from no one, and they didn't even give him a meal. Not only did he work as a pastor full-time, he then worked as a tent maker to provide for, his own, provide for his own needs. We did this not because we don't have the right to such help. We had the right to ask you to take care of us, but we wanted to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. In my own life, I tried to practice this um, and always have extra work outside the church. And you guys have known that over the years. I'm not going to tell you everything I've done, but uh, we, we work hard. Notice, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. Here's the broad principle. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If you won't work, you shall not eat. Remember my dad telling me this once. One of my jobs when I was a kid, uh, we uh, picked a pickup load, pickup truck load full of potatoes once, and we put them in the basement. And uh, the basement was dark and dungy, and it was my job to go in the basement throughout the year and weed out the bad potatoes. And you would go down there, and you couldn't really see the potatoes, and you'd put your hand in, and one would be just mushy. And Curry, you had to pick that one up and throw it away because the mushy one makes the other one go mushy. That was my job. And I complained. Why do I have to do this job? By the way, I was the oldest. The oldest always has to do the worst jobs. That's the way it seemed like to me. Why do I have to do this work? And then I heard this. If any will not work, he will not eat. Oh, man. What if I don't eat potatoes? <laughs> uh, so notice how he concludes. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So not only do you need to work to take care of yourself, the broad principle for every Christian 
is that your life should be full of good deeds and helping other people. That's work. Right? It, it takes work to help people. Am I right? It does. You got to put it on your schedule. You got to drive over to there. You got to figure out what they need for you to do. And of course, you don't want to do it. You got something else to do. But listen, that's what you just have to do. It's it's work. Never tire of doing what is good. So that's per, that's point number two. You have to work to take care of yourself. Point number three. Lazy people have problems. I originally titled this, Lazy People Are Poor. But let's just talk about lazy people have problems. How many of you can't read that? Okay, just George? Okay. Rosemary, there's a seat right here. <laughs> oh, you can read it. Okay. Okay, so this is from the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is wisdom, and, he, and, he, and, and the writer of Proverbs looks at the world, and he says, well, this is the wisest way. This is, this is skill in living, and this will give you skill in your life. And so I've got ten points from this section. Point number one, there's always a reason not to work. Notice the sluggard says, or the lazy person. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the streets, a fierce lion roaming the streets. A lazy person always has a reason why they shouldn't be working. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too far. It's too hard. I'm sleepy today. I don't feel, I'm, I'm sick today. Uh, there's a lion in the streets. And, and there might be a lion somewhere. And it could be dangerous, but the average person goes, you know something, lions don't usually eat people. I have to go to work. Always a reason not to work. Uh, that takes us to the, the last section. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes. Do you see that at the bo bottom? The lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. So the lazy person... You can't, you can't teach them or correct them because they think they know it all. So point number two. The lazy person thinks they're smart. Which leads to number three. They're uncorrectable. Uncorrectable. Because they're wiser in their own eyes. They're not going to listen to anyone else. They think they really know which takes us back to the beginning. There's a lion in the road. There's a lion roaming the streets. Point number four is the mind is creative in coming up with excuses. They're actually using their mind in great ways, being creative, but it's to no avail. They can always come up with a reason not to work, which takes me to point number five. No, no, back. I'm still on the same passage. I'm still talking about the same thing. The mind becomes corrupted. The mind itself has become corrupted. Where they actually think they are smart by not working. And they're using their mind for the wrong thing. 
one of my uh, sons told me there's a place in town that strips wire and they do it all night long from midnight to seven in the morning they take stolen copper wire and they strip the wire and I thought wow they're hard working and they're and they're productive but the crazy thing is is if they just went out and got a job at $14 an hour they'd be far better ahead than stripping wire all night long through the middle of the night but you become uncorruptible I mean you become uncorrectable and you become lazy you can't work through the day you can't work for somebody else you can't do what somebody else tells you you can't be regimented in the hours you work and so you you do what I think is incredibly hard <laughs> and uh, the mind becomes corrupted and you think well this is the best way to make a living I don't have to pay tax on this money takes us to point number six and notice the, the uh, third line as a door turns on its hinges so the lazy person turns on his bed in other words he doesn't go anywhere right a door turns there's a lot of movement it doesn't go anywhere it still stays there so the lazy person they turn on their bed but they don't go anywhere and maybe point number seven they can't sleep that's why they're turning on their bed so much. You can't sleep. You're not tired. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. Now you can't sleep, which leads to the problem. Now you're sleeping at the wrong time. Takes us to point number eight. The lazy person buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. He's so lazy, it extends even to his eating. Somebody used to tell me, I remember someone saying to me, uh, giving free turkeys out to uh, the poor at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, they would find those turkeys thrown in the dumpster. And the reason is, it takes too much work to cook a turkey. They don't know how to cook a turkey. Takes us point number nine. Maybe he's so lazy from eating and he can't do this is because he's so out of shape. <laughs> so out of shape, he gets tired from eating. And takes number 10. Uh, there's no end to the demands of a lazy person. Notice, he buries his hand in the dish and he can't even bring the food to his mouth. So eventually, he needs somebody to feed him. Uh, lazy people have problems and uh, I had a number of other passages from Proverbs let me see if I can find another one that might be kind of oh I like this one uh, this is from Proverbs chapter 6 go to the ant you slugger consider its ways and be wise it has no commander no overseer or ruler yet it stores its provision in summer gathers its food at harvest how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When you will get up, when will you get up from your sleep? A little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. No work leads to poverty. 
this past summer, my uh, son and I were cleaning up my wood pile. And uh, we picked up one piece of wood, and it fell apart. And it fell apart because it was full of ants, those large, uh, those big, big, fat, black ants that love the wood. And they were all over the place. And uh, so I stomped on the wood, break it up even more. And there were eggs all over the place from those ants. Big, big white eggs, ants running everywhere. And uh, so I said, okay, let's go do something else for a few minutes. And we went away for about 10 minutes. And we came back 10 minutes later, and I brought my camera. I was going to take a picture of it. There was not a single ant or a single egg left. They had cleaned up the whole thing, and I don't know where they went. I hope they went to the neighbor's place. But amazing, right? Busy, hardworking, those little ants. Man, they were, wow. It's funny, he says he has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet they work like crazy. Uh, we need to work. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, work allows you to help others. Work allows you to help others. You become productive to provide for yourself, and then you can help provide for others. Titus chapter 3. And this is kind of a conclusion to Titus. Paul's writing to him and saying, here's what should be true of our church. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. We should have productive lives and we should be doing well enough that we can help others. It's one of the reasons why we should work and work hard. Now we live in a country and uh, one of the great things about our tax dollars is our tax dollars helps people who cannot work because they dis have disabilities or because they're sick. Those are great things. We should enjoy working and enjoy paying our taxes because it's, it's doing some good things for people who can't take care of themselves. That's great. If only that's what my tax dollar was going for. Ephesians 4.28. What's the opposite of stealing? What's the opposite of stealing? Giving. Here's his advice. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It's one of the purposes for our working, so that we have something to share. So uh, you can be a thief, or you can be a sharer. A lot of times we're just in the middle. No man's land. We're not doing anything. We should at least be working to share. Go to the next slide. Uh, we better hurry here. Work is hard, but it can be joyous. This is from Ecclesiastes. Listen to this. This is kind of his conclusion to looking at life. This is what I have observed to be good. It's appropriate for a person to eat and drink, find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun, 
during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Being happy in your work is a gift from God. Thank Him. Appreciate Him for it. A lot of people are not happy in their work. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Finally, work can be stored. And uh, I always turn to 1 Timothy 6 when I think about what I would want to say to someone who is wealthy. And by the way, I consider everyone in here to be wealthy. You live in Canada. You're a wealthy person compared to most of the rest of the world. And here's what he says. Oh, by the way, I, was, I heard someone talking about this passage uh, as, he, as, he, as he looked at Florida and the terrible destruction in Florida. And he was thinking, how should we be thinking about our possessions? About uh, these hurricanes wiping out possessions. What should be in the back of our minds when everything is lost that we own? This is a passage he turned to. Listen to as, as I read. I'm going to start in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world. That's you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18. Command them to do good. So Paul's advice to a pastor is to command people to be good. So I'm telling you today, be do good. Get busy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know something? We go through our lives and we think about retirement, and you save up for your retirement. That's good. You should save for your retirement. This is a better savings plan that he is recommending. You're saving for eternity. And everything you do, sharing, doing good, being generous, is an eternal savings plan that can never be lost. That's what we should be doing with our time and our treasure. Laying it up for eternity. So you can take it with you. <laughs> you send it before. You lay it up. Lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Well, theology of work. Necessary. Necessary. Let's be rich in good deeds. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we are thankful.